Hi and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, the weekly show dedicated to talking all things Port Adelaide. I'm one of your hosts, Enviable Tradition, and with us we've got Fishing Rick 04. G'day, buddy. Yeah, how you going, ET, Macca? Good, and obviously Macca19 here with us as well. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. How are you guys going? Yeah, very good, very good. Very excited. Obviously, uh, a good week for the power this week, but it's not so good for the Maggies. And we'll talk about those games against the Saints and against North Adelaide shortly. Um, but uh, let, let's get straight into it. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about our love and our hate for the week, which is what we always like to start with. So one thing we love, one thing we hate in and around the Port Adelaide Football Club this week. Uh, perhaps, Rick, you might like to start, mate. What was your love for the week? No, I've got a bit of a controversial one this week. I, um, I've actually gone with... I love the uh, the Jonas bump, and actually there was two bumps that uh, that Jonas did in the game, which um, really made an impact. And it's unlucky for for us and and for Jonas that he he got rubbed out, and that's a bit controversial. But you know, I think from our previous coach with Matty Primus, and you know the whole the whole humble line, um, you know, not only were we humble at times over the last few years, we I thought we were pretty meek and. You know, we've had West off, you know, maybe a little bit of lacking discipline. Uh, Kane last week, who was unlucky, and now Jonas this week. We're actually getting physicality back into our game, which is probably through attacking the ball now at 100%. And, uh, you know, it's just enjoyable to see a little bit of aggression back into our game. And it's going to make opposition players and opposition teams uh, think a little bit differently about us. And so from that perspective, I've been... Very, very happy with, um, you know, what that Jonas bump resembles for me as a uh, Port Adelaide supporter. Nice. And so what did you hate this week, mate? What I hate, and I've hated it for a few weeks now, is is our inability to gain back some momentum during a game. And these fade-outs uh, for a quarter uh, are starting to hurt, and it's going to hurt us at a time where we probably don't want to, and, uh, you know, it's happened quite often now. And I understand we've got a young playing group and that's going to happen at times, but we need to really uh, take a little bit more control and the senior players need to stand up and, you know, you know, we're going we're three quarters of the way through the season, so we should have ironed that out. And even if it's only for a half a quarter, we should be able to try and wrestle back some control when we still are losing that ability to do so. Yeah, it's it's been frustrating at times, hasn't it? That those real big comebacks have been, or those big fightbacks have been allowed to happen, and and obviously we'd had it the other way earlier on in the year, which was nice. So, uh, um, Maka, what did you love this week? Oh, it's got to be Butcher's third goal uh, in the final quarter. Uh, I think we've been waiting for Butcher um, since that game against the Dogs a couple of years ago to really tear open a game. Uh, I thought he had a fantastic first quarter. Uh, went out of it a little bit in terms of. Uh, possession of the ball, but I thought his chasing was really good. Um, and then, you know, he sort of spoiled a mark. Um, he got back the handball. He ran inside 50. I stood up out of my chair. As the ball went through their goals, I was fist pumping like a madman on Jersey Shore. It was absolutely fantastic. Absolutely loved it. <laughs> Beautiful. Love it. And so what did you hate about the week, mate? Oh, it's got to be the holding the bowl um, and the, the, the in the backs, you know. I mean, apparently now you can spin someone around 720 degrees. Um, 
spend three seconds, you know, bringing them to ground, and apparently that's all okay. Um, and then you get an in-the-back call. Uh, so I don't know what's going on there, but, you know, that was a real source of frustration and anger as the game went on. You know, just a real inconsistency. And the thing that really got up my nerve was, uh, I think it was in the first five minutes of the last quarter, after we, we had already seen about five of these um, sort of inconsistent in-the-back calls, um, Hartlett gets a, a chicken-wing tackle, gets ploughed headfirst into the turf. Should have been a report. Um, and they call that one holding the ball. Couldn't believe it. Yeah. Well, I know we were criticised during the week of having a bit of a love fest on here, Macker, and uh, and you're not helping me out at all here because <laughs> I tell you what, I, I, I did have John Butcher down as my love. I, I thought his game was really showing some promising signs. So but it seems like you've pinched Johnny Butcher. I, I'm probably going to go my love. I'm probably going to go with uh, Matt Lobby. I thought his work in the ruck again particularly early on, was fantastic. I know he got caught out a couple of times defensively, uh, but you know the fact that he's playing the whole game pretty well as a sole ruck, but I know he gets a little bit of a chop out here and there, but really he's, he's almost rucking the entire game. And uh, and his ability to, to get first hands on the ball and to work the ball around the middle, particularly early on, was just fantastic. I, thought, I really thought he was the one that got us going and was responsible for a large part of that big lead we had early on. Um, once again, my hate, I, I actually had the, uh, the holding the ball slash pushing the back interpretation down as my hate maker, so we're definitely going to get accused of having love in here. But um, my, my, my other hate was probably um, Robbie Gray, and, and, and that's harsh because he's coming back from injury and, uh, and you know, he's doing a lot right. Um, but it was, it was frustrating watching him just right when the game sort of turned. Um, there was a couple of times he just, I don't know, tried to do too much, just didn't take that first option. Um, I don't know what the answer is with Robbie. I don't, I don't know. He's obviously coming back from injury, and we need to expect that he's going to be a bit rusty. And it's you know it's unfair to single him out like that. But you know we need to figure out what we need to do with him. Do we just keep playing him until he comes right? Do we do we give him a bit of time in the SNFL just to really find his confidence and find his groove again? Um, I think there's no doubt that he's going to be a great player again. He's going to recover from the injury and be back on track. I think he's shown enough already. You know, usually guys with a knee injury like that, you sort of you just write off that first season back that they're never going to be as good as they were before. And then you find that second season back, they really come good. But um, as I said, as a fan, it was frustrating watching Robbie on the weekend. So that was that was probably my one that I'll, I'll chuck out there as well. Um, we got the power to win, power to roll, come on. Aggression, we are the power from I guess we can move into a bit more of a detailed review of the game. So, you know, Rick, what were your thoughts of the game? Perhaps we might even do this in two parts, I reckon. Rick, what were your thoughts? thoughts on the, the game up until we got that 47-point lead? Well, yeah, I was very happy. I think most of us as Port supporters would have been over the moon. You know, we were going to Etihad where we hadn't won for eight games in a row and uh, we we absolutely dominated. We we had full of run. Uh, the mid midfield pressure was fantastic. Um, you know, as you pointed out with your love, uh, John Butcher... You know, everyone's got a lot of hype for him, and you know he played fantastically well. And it's not only the goals with um, uh, with Butcher; it's also the the defensive pressure. And I know the commentators um, highlighted as well that he, he gives a hundred percent. But um, um, you know, it was just a, a fantastic effort from the boys. And I'm with you. Even though he had a couple of goals kicked on him, I thought Loby was very influential in the first half. Um, Justin Westhoff's first quarter, especially, was uh, again another um, joy to watch. And you know, I've been a bit critical of Justin in the past, but 
um, you know, what he's, how he's been able to turn his game around this year in relation to consistently influencing a game has been, uh, you know, a joy to watch. And, you know, and I think he's getting a lot of respect um, in the AFL world now for the damage that he can do. And I guess from my perspective, it's been frustrating because I know he's always been capable of doing that. And, uh, and uh, but it's just uh, disappeared at times. And the midfield was fantastic. Uh, you know, just completely smashed St Kilda and we were all over the top of them. And, uh, you know, and I was very, very excited to uh, to see what was to come in the uh, the second half. Yeah. And what were your thoughts of the early part of the game, Macker? Obviously pretty pleased. Yeah, pretty pretty, uh, pretty similar, really, to what Rick said. Um, I said last week that it was a bit of a danger game and I was a bit worried about it. So to come out and kick seven goals in the first quarter was was really great to see. Um, it was the most goals we'd kicked in an opening term since Brisbane in 2009. Um, and it almost ended up, <laughs> we actually lost that game in the end. <laughs> almost ended up the same way. But in terms of the first half, I mean, Loby was fantastic. Really dominated the midfield. In fact, all our midfielders uh, really got on top pretty early on. Hartlett started really well, as did Boak. Um, Chad Wingard had another, had another good game. Uh, Brody as well. I really liked Paul Stewart's uh, first half um, coming off that half back line. Um, it was something that, you know, I think it was 2010, he had a ripping year coming off that half back line. Then we tried to turn him into a midfielder. Then he was a sub and then he was a forward. I really think his natural spot is that half back. Um, so I really enjoyed his game. Um, I mean, we were all over them, really, um, in the yeah. first half. We just, you know, we choked them of their forward line. Um, our defence was great, and we were kicking goals up forward. So, yeah, I mean, our first half was fantastic. Yeah, it was, it was really the complete package, wasn't it? And I think that's the exciting thing for us as Port fans. You know, we know we're a young team. We know we've got a long way to go. But you see, you see passages of play like that and chunks of play like that, and it's just so exciting to think, hey, you know, it's only a matter of time till this starts clicking and starts happening on a more regular basis. I mean, you know, we've still got a pretty shallow injury list, and you know, we pro- probably still need a bit more depth to keep working on over the next couple of years. But gee, there's the foundations there for a very, very good team, and when they start playing footy like that consistently, uh, it's going to be a, a, a sight to behold. It's going to be fantastic, and and it, as I said before, you know, my my. Highlights really were Lobby. I thought he was fantastic. Uh, Butcher up front, you know, um, did a lot. I think as much as anything, showed a lot. Showed that he's got it there, that, you know, once it clicks and starts happening on a more consistent basis, he's going to be able to take that to an even another level again. Um, and the midfield just really clicked. They're playing against a really experienced Saints midfield, and we'll talk about how they came into the game, particularly in the second half. But, gee, the first half, our, our midfield were just dominating. We were right on top of them, and, and it was really exciting to watch. And, and to start thinking about what this might be in a couple of years. So, yeah, it, it was a, an awesome start to the game. So let's start talking about the other side of it, Rick. You know, the comeback. What happened, mate? Oh, well, that's a very good question, isn't it? We, <laughs> I mean, we just didn't get our hands on the ball. Um, you know, I know a lot of, a lot of us uh, were complaining about the umpires, but, you know, I watched the, the replay again last night. And, yes, there was some um, controversial decisions, and, and Mac had pointed out a noticeable one earlier. But... Um, it wasn't just the umpires doing that aided St Kilda, and um, you know we got to we got to take a look at, especially the senior, well, the senior midfielders that represent our senior players in the side anyway. And um, 
you know, I mean, Trust Boat, for example, we, had, we only had five um, possessions in the second half and, and uh, Brad Ebert disappeared and, and Loby's influence um, uh, diminished a bit in the second half as well. And, you know, if we're not getting... And we didn't get our hands on the ball, obviously, and St Kilda just dominated us. I mean, it's clear as, clear as day. I mean, you look at the statistical count and we were just absolutely smashed. And, you know, against... And obviously St Kilda's not a strong side at this point in time. You put us up against, uh, you know, one of the top four sides and it probably would have been a lot more of a devastating result. But, um, you know, I'm still philosophical about the game because, most importantly, we won, and that's what that's what we all wanted to see. And, you know, not only did we win, we beat one of the demons of Etihad, and we got some experience in a close game. I would have rather us kicked another 10 goals and, and won by 80 points. But, you know, saying that, the young boys probably learn a lesson, got through another close game, um, you know, and I agree with what you were saying about your hate. I've got notes here about Robbie Gray, and, and I've also said, am I being too hard on Robbie? But, you know, he really should have iced the game a little bit earlier for us, and he is an experienced player, and I'm the same with you, ET. I'm just not sure whether, you know, has he got complete confidence in his body? I mean, he was, some of the chases he did was fantastic, and, um, you know, but he needs to be a little bit cleaner than that. So, I, uh, you know, I'm a bit of a harsh judge too, so... <laughs> uh, but I, I think he's done enough influence in the game to also, uh, you know, keep his spot. But, you know, we need to have that expectation. And I'll, I'll, I'll leave it with one more uh, comment. The, the other thing is a lot of people have been very critical of uh, Jasper Pittard over the last couple of weeks. And um, I thought his disposal and his run through the lines, uh, he was very instrumental for us and obviously got the free for the last goal. Uh, but, you know, there was a fantastic game by Jasper, Jasper and it showed, I think, a glimpse of the future with a few other boys of, of where we're going. Yeah, absolutely. And you, Craig, what are your thoughts, mate? Oh, look, I was <laughs> I was pretty much resigned to us losing halfway through that <laughs> final quarter. I thought, you know, this is just, you know, bad memories coming back. And, you know, we, we've seen it so many times in the last six or seven years where we've, we've got out to a, what we have thought to be a match-winning lead, only for something to happen, a spark for the opposition, and then they get on top and we just cannot get the momentum back. Um, for me, it was kind of... Um, there was a moment where I saw sort of Brody really struggling to run in the background, and that was only two minutes into the third quarter. And I thought, geez, you know, we're, we're looking really tired here. The other thing was probably Robbie Gray's missed um, shot from the goal square early on in the third quarter. You know, if if we kick that, I think it was the first scoring shot of the quarter itself. You know, if we kick that, get off to a good start, you know, we, we probably would have won the game by a lot more. Um, but he missed that. St Kilda got a sniff. Um, Loby really fell out of the game. Um, McAvoy got on top. Um, and their midfield really started to dominate in, you know, fairly spectacular fashion. I mean, Montagna was brilliant. Jack Stephen had a fantastic game. He was probably best on ground for the whole game. Um, Lenny Hayes was all right. Uh, Dal Santo got plenty of the ball. And, I mean, if you were to tell me at the start of the game that Wines would only have eight touches, Moore only 11, um, you know, and Boak not really have a huge influence, um, you know, I'd struggle to think that we could win that, especially with the, uh, the St Kilda midfielders out there. And I think it's... I mentioned this last week in regards to Hawthorne as well, but I'll mention it again. Um, St Kilda were... I think on every... I mean, everyone goes on about St Kilda's young team, 
their young team was two years older than ours, um, <laughs> and they had about 850 games more experience than ours. So, you know, we're, we're still um, sort of batting well below our, our weight in terms of experience. Um, yeah. And that's something that I really liked was the maturity that we showed in the last 10 minutes. I mean, any other year we would have lost that game by probably two or three goals. But the, the fact that our midfielders, you know, managed to get the ball back, um, Pittard kicked a ripper goal, Butcher kicked a ripper goal, um, and, you know, those marks that Hoff took in the, you know, in the dying moments, there, you know, they're, they're ones that I'll remember for a long time. Yeah. Oh, wasn't that a brilliant mark? That, that is worth talking about. Um, and, yeah, I've, I've got sort of similar notes to you guys, I think. I think I've, I really make note of the, the St Kilda senior players. I mean, you know, when the chips were down, they, they had those senior players there um, who were able to, you know, to really get them back into the game. I thought... You know, I thought the game turned a little bit, perhaps with some of that stuff we spoke about with Robbie Gray. Perhaps a couple of the, uh, dare I say it, a couple of umpire decisions, I thought gave them a little bit of momentum. Not saying they decided the game, but they gave them a bit of momentum. And um, and so I thought they did gain a bit of momentum there. But then their senior players really stepped up. You know, you talk about Del Santo, you talk about Hayes, you talk about Montagna, you talk about Rewald. Um, obviously, Jack Stephen was in there, a bit of a younger player, but it was mainly they're real senior guys just showing that experience they've got. You know, they've been around the traps for a long time and they did show our young boys a trick or two, I think. And, and hopefully, you know, our younger players will be learning something from that, will be watching that and taking something out of it. Um, but but as once again, the, the pleasing thing was that they got in front and our boys fought back and, and that was probably the most pleasing thing out of the entire game. That's probably even more pleasing than the awesome start was the fact that when the chips were down, we had some players and some young players show some real character and step up, and, and that was, you know, guys like Butcher, guys like Pittard, um, obviously, you know, uh, Westy's not the, the young player he was anymore, but, you know, those, those marks he took in defence were just superb, I mean, that was just thrilling stuff, and, and match-winning stuff, and, you know, perhaps even career-defining stuff for someone like Westhoff, you know, he's really starting to show that, you know, he's someone who can stand up in a big game when it counts, on the big occasion, and, uh, and not just be the player that perhaps we've seen previously, who's shown glimpses of being able to do that, uh, but not doing it on a consistent basis like I think he is now. I think he's really taken his game to another level. So um, I think it was, you know, in the end, it was disappointing to get to, to be so close, but it was also, you know, a ripping win in the end and a, and a real credit to the boys to fight it out the way they did and, and to not give up, as uh, as Hinkley says, you know, to not give up at the end there, to never give up. So um, so who are your best players, Rick? Who would you like? Well, I gave. Uh, I thought some of the best players were uh, obviously Matty Loby. I mean, and as we said already, um, you know, he coughed up three goals with Ben McAvoy, but you know, forty hitouts. Um, he took five marks and some good marks around the ground. And I know Mac had brought that up last week, and that's been a thing for me with uh, Matty. Um, you know, so he's starting to influence the game a bit more. Chad Wingard once again, um, as you said, Justin Westoff. I think got coaches' votes as as well as Chad. And um, and I had um, I thought Jasper Pittard really stepped it up a notch, and uh, I had him in the best plays as well. And obviously, in the end, uh, his run gave us the gave us the win. Nice, nice. And who do you have in there, Maka? Yeah, I, I thought Westhoff was our best player. Um, you know, he took uh, I think seven or eight marks, um, kicked two crucial goals. Um, but you know, it was all about those marks in the in the dying moments there. Um, Hamish Hartlett, he only had 20 touches, but I thought that was probably his best game for the year, um, which sounds a bit strange considering how really well he played earlier in the season, especially against Adelaide and West Coast. Well, I thought that was his most mature performance, especially on a, uh, a tagger like uh, Clinton Jones, who's well-known. You know, he's one of the best taggers in the league. 
and I thought he really got on top of him quite well. Um, Tommy Jonas, I mean, he, he killed Milne. I thought, um, I remember ET last week, you said that Milne was the danger player, um, and he normally, you know, saves good performances up for us, but, you know, he really shut him out of the game. Uh, Jasper Pittard as well, you know, I think that was probably his best game of AFL football, playing further up the field. He was able to run and create and kick it into the forward line a bit more. Um, it was great to see. Brody was super consistent. Paul Stewart, that was his best game for the year. And I'm going to say a controversial one. I'm going to say Robbie Gray. If he if he kicked two of those goals, he would have been best on ground. I think he's had a, you know, a, a ripper last four or five weeks. I think there's two things that he really needs to do. Um, and that's use his instinct and use his uh, first option a bit more. Mm. If he goes back to being that instinctive player, um, he'll be the superstar that we that we know that he was um, before the knee injury last year. Nice. Yeah, I'm sensing a bit of man love there, Rick. Are you? I think, oh, was, uh... I think so. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, we, uh, what can we do, though? We can't uh, begrudge him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think all what you're saying is right, Macker. I think he's... As I said, for someone coming back from injury, he's getting in the right places, he's doing the right things, he's just not quite finishing off that final step yet. Um, and as we said, we know that with time that'll come back. So um, my best players, look, once again, you, know, you guys are obviously very astute judges because you've picked out the same names I did. So um, I, I had best as Lobby. I thought he was fantastic early on when the game was really there to be to be sort of won and taken control of. I thought he really got us off on the right foot and set us in the right direction. Uh, and I thought that was fantastic. Uh, Westhoff, obviously, as I said, just becoming a much more consistent performer uh, and a real star player who's able to really influence games and win games, and that's that's just awesome to see. And uh, and I actually had Hartlett there as well. Once again, even though you know it wasn't a huge possession game, but we ju- we just know how damaging Hartlett can be with with just those few possessions. Um, you know, the I think it was Hartlett, wasn't it? The kick on the run into fifty um, to the player running forward toward goal, and he you know he, he's able to just get that extra length on the kick, that that beautiful disposal, and. Um, you know, I, I just I just thought I loved his game. I just know that you know if Hartley gets the ball twenty times, we're going to be a really good shot because he just makes stuff happen. So, um, so Rick, who do you have as far as the young guys go? Oh, look, I'd I'd love to give it to uh, uh, Pittard as my best young fella, but I've given it to John Butcher. I, I like I said earlier, I thought his defensive pressure was fantastic, and and the three goals I think are uplifting for all us supporters that have been. Uh, waiting and um, watching him to come through. And he's, he's strung three games in a row now, I believe. And, uh, you know, he's showing us a little bit more each game. And uh, hopefully uh, he'll show us a little bit more in, in this week's game. Beautiful. Maka, who do you have there, mate? Uh, not young in terms of age, but certainly young in terms of AFL experience. I had Kane Mitchell. I thought um, <laughs> his last quarter and a half was really crucial to our win. You know, the run that he created, especially that run with about three minutes left, where he ran the whole length of the field just to get it out of bounds in our forward line. That was brilliant. You know, he kicked a really crucial goal against the run of the play in the third quarter. I thought he was our best young player. Yeah, he's fantastic, isn't he? Just watching him run like that, like, you know, I don't, haven't seen any other subs really across the league come on and have that sort of impact where he just makes blokes look like they're standing still. Like, he's just running mm. around like crazy. It's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I had Butcher. I, I thought, you know, he just showed those signs early and, as you said, stayed in the game, did the little things, stuck in it, you know, to kick that goal in the last quarter as well. He didn't just fade out. And uh, so I thought that was a great game from him and some really good signs that I think bode very, very well for the future for Butcher. I know there's been people criticising, asking where he's at. Well, I think he's exactly where he should be, given his injury history, given all that he's been through. Um, I think he's tracking really, really well, and we've got something exciting to look forward to there. 
let's uh, let's move on now and have a bit of a look at the Magpies in the SANFL. Um, did you get a look at that game this week, Macker against North? I sure did, mate. Uh, wasn't very good, that's for sure. Uh, in fact, it was pretty pathetic in the end. Um, uh, I think North Adelaide won by about 73 points. Uh, Port only kicked three goals for the game. Goalless in the last half. Uh, North Adelaide kicked eight goals in the last quarter against the Breeze. Um, the game actually started off reasonably well. Um, I mean, it, it really wasn't great conditions for football. There was about a seven-goal win going to the northern end. Yeah. Um, North kicked with it in the first quarter, and we were able to keep them to one goal, uh, which I thought at the time was a fantastic effort. Mm. Second quarter came around. I think it was about two points in it at half time, and from then on, it was all North Adelaide. Um, you know, it was pretty pathetic how you know we just really lost our way. Our heads dropped. Our attitude was really poor. Um, again, I think we lost that game at selection. Um, we just didn't have the tall options on the field to really give us you know some forward options and also in defence. And you'd normally think, well, you, you know with those conditions, it's not really conducive to Tolls having a big game. But Lewis Johnson took, I think, eight marks and kicked three goals. Um, Tom Langford had a round about the same. And we just didn't have any options at all. I think we had probably what would have been the shortest um, team in SANFL history on, on, the, <laughs> on the park that day. Um, Corey Grove couldn't really get into it. Graham Johncock didn't get a kick. Um, Josh Thurgood, you know, barely, barely got a kick as well. And, you know, we dropped Ben Harron, we dropped Reiki Waza, um, and I'm just not sure it was really the best decision to make. Um, mm. In terms of best players, I thought Ben Newton was someone that really stood out. You know, it's the first time I've seen him really stand out at, at SANFL level. He's really growing in confidence, um, and I thought he was our clear best player. You know, especially his work around the clearances. Um, Sam Gray and Zane Kirkwood, same as last week, they were ever consistent. Um, Justin Hoskin, who's on the power rookie list, um, I've been a big fan of him for the last two or three years. And I thought he had a really good game. You know, he helped shut out Nathan Gordon, who's one of North Adelaide's danger players, um, with a bit of AFL experience there as well. Um, Brendan Archie had a really good first half, and Matthew Scanlon as well played all right. Uh, but outside of that, it was pretty slim pickings. Yeah, and I actually did see a bit of the game this weekend on the on the TV coverage, and. Uh, yeah, I thought the same. I thought the first half looked pretty good. They fought it out. They stuck with them. They were perhaps a little bit lucky that North didn't kick so straight in the first quarter. Um, but the second half was so disappointing. It was reminiscent of some of those early season games against Norwood and a couple of those other games where they just didn't click and didn't fire a shot, really. And, and that's disappointing to see from a Port team, particularly the Magpies, who seemed like they were starting to come good. And uh, it seemed like they took a big step backwards on the weekend. So... Um, they've obviously got another game this weekend against Glenelg at Alberton. Um, it's going to be a big game. It's going to be one that they should expect to win. Uh, but, gee, with that second-half performance, you wouldn't take anything for granted, I don't think. No, not at all. I mean, Glenelg this week, you've got to win that. They're bottom of the ladder. They've only won three games for the year. Um, you know, it's a must-win game. I don't think we can make finals anymore. Um, I think we're probably a little bit too far from that. Um but, you know, it's all about saving face and, you know, trying to gain confidence and maybe get some young players in. I think we've got a lot of players that have been around for four, five, six years and really haven't developed too much. Um, maybe it's time to, you know, put them back to the reserves and bring some young faces in. And so, uh, so Rick, who did you like in the uh, in the SNFL from the power players? Did anyone catch your eye from the reports? Yeah, I mean, uh, Mason Shaw. Uh, again, came up and uh, when he kicked three goals, and you know he's one of those players that we've got an eye for the future. Uh, 
Um, you know, there's been a bit of a chat on him uh, about him on the forums about is he, you know, more of a talent player, project player. But uh, you know, that's he's come in from the reserves and and he's held his spot with South Adelaide. And I think I spoke about him last week. I, I think that's uh, great. As Macca said with the the Maggie's review, um, Newton once again he's uh, racking up. Uh, more and more disposals and looking confident and you know it's just exciting to see uh, where he's going to go because he had some big raps and I guess the other thing I've got is uh, more of a question than a, an observation or anything but to you guys as well you know where are we left with um, with Matt Thomas you know 33 disposals 10 clearances two marks two tackles he's becoming that player that's getting trapped in that SA NFL AFL uh, limbo land, you know, when he comes into the AFL, it's it's more handballs and kicks, there's not much run, it's looks like he's lacking a little bit of pace, but when he goes to the SANFL, he, he's dominating and uh, it's an interesting uh, uh, position for Matt to see what's going to happen, I think, for us. Yeah, well, do you want to comment on that, Macca, and perhaps your uh, your players as well that you like in the SANFL? Yeah, I think Matt Thomas is probably on the bubble of, you know, being either delisted or traded or, you know, I think there was talk in the preseason that um, that Richmond were pretty keen on him. Uh, they didn't get him in the end. Um, I think he decided to stay. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree he's in that sort of limbo. Um, I love the way he goes about it. He's clearly very serious about his football. Um, but, I, I mean, again, he had 11, 11 kicks and 22 handballs. He can probably get away with that at SANFL level where it's a little bit slower. Um but every time he's played this year, you know, he's looked a little bit off pace uh, for where we're heading as a footy club, I think. Um, I've already mentioned Ben Newton. He was best on ground for the Maggies. The other player that I really liked the look of on the weekend was Nathan Blee. Um, you know, he's a bit of a forgotten man, really. Um, you know, we've had so many other players go through that back line this year, you know, talking about Heath and Stevenson and um, Homsch as well. But Blee looked bloody fantastic on the weekend i mean he he was so sure with the bowl you know he doesn't waste a disposal he he's got that sort of aura about him where he's got that extra second to dispose of it he kicked a goal um i know we've been sort of not too happy that he's been playing through the midfield a bit but i think he'd be a, a pretty decent option up on a wing at afl level yeah i'm just i'm just not sure where Blee fits to be honest like i think um, you know, if he's not going to be a key position defender, I'm, I'm not sure if he is that, that midfielder at AFL level. I, I'm just not sure if he's kind of a little bit in between everything. He, he certainly showed some signs on the weekend, but a lot of that was uncontested ball as well for a, you know, for a big unit like he is. I'm, I just, I don't know where he fits. I think um, Matt Thomas obviously is a pretty interesting one. First thing I'll say, I want to say is, you know, full credit to Matt Thomas. You know, he cops some flack from the Port fans, but... Gee, he can't do any more than he's doing. You know, he's he yeah, gives it his absolute best. He has an absolute crack. You know, when he comes into the team, he gives it his all. You know, all you need to do is look at the rig on the guy to know that he's someone who performs at training. Like he's obviously someone who's out there. You know, doing the hard yards, doing the hard work, and it's never a bad thing to have someone around that. You know, like that around a footy club. You know, setting an example for the young kids. So first of all, I want to say credit to him and kudos to him. Um, but I, gee, I, it's a hard one, but I don't see him having a future at Port next year. I, I just don't think with the way the list is, with the, what direction the club is going, I think he's going to be really suited to one of those younger teams. You know, he's going to be suited to going to a GWS and being that enforcer type that can get in there, can look after the young kids a bit, can win some of that hard ball for their you know skillful uh, outside players they've got. I mean, gee, if 
you know, if Matt Thomas was there feeding the ball out to some of those youngsters they've got at GWS, they're going to be a damn dangerous team, even if all he does is handball every single time. And um, and so that's kind of where I see him at, I think. As, as unfortunate as it is, as much as Matty doesn't deserve that, I think that's where he's at in terms of his career at the moment. Um, and I think the others you guys mentioned, Mason Shaw, obviously, I, I just, I'm a huge rap for him. I think he's super exciting, a big, tall, strong key forward who kicks goals. What's there not to be excited about? And I'm really intrigued by Newton. I'm really intrigued to see what he can bring into the team. Obviously, you know, a little bit of a difference for a modern AFL footballer. He's a bit of that sort of slower, in and under type, you know, more of an effective disposer of the ball. You know, more of a footballer's footballer, I guess, is how he appears to me. And so it'll be really interesting to see how that translates to AFL. Is he going to be one of those guys who just gets caught out and can't quite adapt to the pace of the game? Or is he going to be one of those guys who sort of is the exception to the rule and proves that there's still space for a real footballer's footballer? At, uh, at AFL level. So, um, look, we're going to move on now. Great to chat about that's the SNFL stuff and the SNFL pale players, but we've got an awesome interview coming up. Rick's gone out and got Brendan Archie this time. It's a fantastic interview. So tune in, and, uh, and we'll see you guys on the other side of that. All right, so uh, I'm here with uh, Brendan Archie. Thanks, Brendan, for uh, making some time to catch up and uh, here for the Big Footy book. Uh, podcast. Yeah, no worries. Glad to be here, mate. Ah, cheers. Thank you very much. Um, some of the fans wanted to know how you've seen your development this year and what areas you, you want to improve on for the rest of the season. Yep. So I'm in my second year at the moment. Um, first year, I guess, in just to summarise, I was just in the reserves in the Maggies for the whole year. Yep. Um, didn't manage to crack a league game, which was a bit disappointing. But in terms of my development this year, uh, I've I uh, played a few reserves games, came back from injury and mm. was um, you know, fortunate enough to be called up into the league team finally. So yeah. made my league debut this year um, and I haven't been dropped from the team yet and we're, we're going pretty good. So in terms of yeah, my development, it's going pretty well. Yep. Got nine games left for the rest of the season, so I just want to finish off strong with the Magpies because great bunch of blokes over there. Excellent. And uh, I guess when you were recruited, though, you were you were sort of an underage recruit almost, weren't you? You were sort of on the younger age of being recruited, more so. Uh, I had a very late birthday. I'm born in December. So I think the club saw me as a, a long-term, more prospect than, than me set the, the world on fire straight away. So yeah. as long as I you know keep improving each game in the SANFL and, and mm. keep you know talking to the development coaches and... And Kenny, uh, Kenny and Cleo to see what they want, then that's all. That's yep. all good. Yeah, excellent. So you, uh, you, when we were talking last at the, the player sponsor night, you were you were saying you're you're trying to play uh, as an inside mid and you're trying to focus on getting more ball and, and how's that all going? Yeah, yeah, still pretty similar stuff. I mean, I've always loved playing in, um, in the centre, getting amongst stoppages and stuff, and being the bloke that that beats everybody to get the ball. That's what I, I really like about footy. Um, so that, that inside stuff's going pretty well, um, but the outside stuff's the stuff that needs work on, you know, the uncontested marks and the run and carry. Yep. Um, not just always being the, the bloke who's in and under, so um, just have the complete game is what I've been working on, you know, kind of the inside and outside stuff. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. What about with the with the club with in a interstate recruits? Um, you know, how did you transition from moving from WA? And, you know, was homesickness uh, part of it, or uh, you know, did you were you able to handle the transition all right? I think the the most important thing about um, coming over um, from interstate is to find somewhere you can just feel like be really comfortable, and yep. um, you know, just feel like like it's almost home. And and I live with um, a host family, Sue and Dennis Turner, um, and they've you know made that transition really easy. The club looks after interstate recruits really well. 
Um, so whenever I just I come to the club, it's always intense, and you you know your mind's switched on footy all the time. But when you go back to the host family, it's just a a really good place to switch off and just you yeah. know be yourself and just you know feel as it's not home, but it feels as as much as home yeah. as it could being yeah. in the different states. So um, you know being I'm I'm really tight with my family. I'm a family sort of guy, so. Obviously, going to feel a little bit homesick at times because I've got a big family, got five brothers who I'm really close with. Yep. So you know, I miss them on occasion, but it's all all worth it when you you know you're living out your dream. So yeah, it's yeah. all good. Actually, speaking about your brothers, one of the um, one of the big footy members, uh, I think it's uh, Range in Teal, asked, um, "How's your brother going? Does he want to play?" Yeah. Uh, AFL footy as well. So that'd be Callum, I guess you're talking about. I'd assume so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's actually in Sydney at the moment, um, playing for the State 16s and for WA. So okay, I've heard he's going okay. But um, yeah, he's he's very similar to me in terms of all, all my brothers are good at footy, but mm. I think me and him were the ones that had the most passion and, and really really wanted to make it. So um, he yeah he's really really passionate about his footy. He loves it and he's enjoying it at the moment. So. I don't want to put any pressure on him or, you know, say that yeah. you have to make it or anything. The most important thing is to have fun, and he's doing that. So, yeah, yeah as long as he just keeps playing, he'll, I'm sure he'll be a good chance because he's, he's a good talent. Well, he's on the path, I guess, if he's made the rep side. And, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, he's making all the all the teams that, that you need to make to, to get on the path. So, yeah, he's, doing, he's on the right track at the moment. Ah, good stuff. With, your, um, with the home family, like, when you when you come over for the first time, do you do you get given an option on like do they the club say look we insist you have a home family or are you given the option to? Um, the club insists you have, you know, stay with the host family because what happens is um, you move in with a player, so a player who's been there for a year already, so you get that sort of um, I guess sort of role model who can show you around the club, show you the ropes, and it makes it a lot easier. So and, and you also get to save a fair bit of money and. And you learn how to cook and all that sort of stuff that sets you up for independent living. So yep. the choice is there, but I don't think there's been an occasion where someone's just gone out on their own. Normally, mm. it's just everyone finds a host family that works for them, and yep. and they they settle in straight away. So it's really good what the club does. And it sounds like the host families are pretty important for the for the club and helping the players transition. Yeah, def- definitely. I mean, for me, I just I just need that that place to be able to switch off and. I'm sure a lot of boys do as well, so it's just it's perfect. Just yep. go home and, and relax and and you know, just feel comfortable. Oh, excellent. With the um I guess you're pretty busy with the, the Maggies and training during the season. I, I mean, is there opportunities to go home during the season or do you have to sort of wait to the the end of the season and the pre season to do that sort of stuff? Uh well when you're playing S N F L you you're pretty lucky because there's buys every every so often, so if it if it works out that you can go home for a weekend and, and the 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 power are okay with it and the coaches are all, all right on, on board and you can go home for a weekend. So I've been home about about twice this year, I think, which has um, been really good, really refreshing. You just get to sort of, you know, just go back home, be with family and friends and, and switch off and recharge. So, yeah, you get to go home every now and then when there's a bye week or when the opportunity comes up. So uh, awesome interview again, Rick. Well done, mate. And uh, once again, we want to give credit to the Port Adelaide Football Club for making these players available to us. They've, they've been a fantastic support for us as a new podcast show, and it's a real credit to the club the way they're engaging the Port community, both the Magpies and the Power, and, uh, and a real credit to the club. So well done on that. Um, let's move on to having a look at next week's game. Obviously, um, you know this is going to be a really big one now versus Brisbane. This is going to be a must-win game. Um, 
Rick, you can start with you again, mate. What's your take on this game? What are you expecting um, you know, for Port and from the opposition? Oh, well, it's another grand final, isn't it? We've had the grand final with GWS and <laughs> we're now we're having the grand final with Brisbane and you know, I think we're going to get that uh, cliche a few more times before the season's over and we just need to uh, keep stepping up and winning these grand finals, don't we? But um, it's, a, it's a massive game. I'm, I'm actually a bit nervous about this game. Uh, I'm a bit worried after the, the second half against St Kilda and, you know, the, the hard track of uh, Etihad, how, how we're going to pull up with, with our young side and, uh, and Brisbane's, uh, you know, strung together some, some good games now and some, some good wins and they're... They're good players, their form players are going to be needing a lot of respect. Um, for me, it's going to be interesting to see how our defence operates with without Jonas. Um, you know, as Macca had him in the best players, and, and rightfully so. Uh, you know, I probably should have slotted him in there as well. And I've been a big fan of his all year, um, and he's been very influential. So, uh, you know, him not being there, I'm assuming. Uh, Homps is going to have to come in and uh, and and fill that void and uh, and so it'll be a good test to see uh, uh, how our defensive structure goes without him playing there. Uh, I thought Jackson uh, played very well on the weekend against Rewald. Uh, you know, obviously he's always going to have some influence in the game, but overall I thought uh, Trangove uh, did a great job uh, in defence and the defensive unit in general, as most of the season has been great. So. Uh, and I, my emphasis again is I want to see the midfielders stand up under pressure and they're going to face pressure um, this week against the Brisbane midfielders and they've got some good talent there and I think Maloney's going to be coming back. Uh, Rich has been providing them a lot of run and penetration, same as Hartlett does for us off that, off that half-back line. Um, you know, and Rockcliffe and, and Redden have, uh, are starting to hit their straps. And you know, looking at the stacks, uh, you know, Rockcliffe had 34 possessions last game, and and Jack Redden had 26. So, you know, they're really starting to rack it up. And and Lornberg is a good midfielder, so it'll be another test for for Matty Loeb. So we really really need our our Brad Brad Eberts, our, our Travis Boat, the captain, to really influence the game for all four quarters and not let these fade-outs occur for, for even a quarter because we just don't know what's going to happen. I'm, obviously, Kane Corns is going to come back in, which will give us um, some more uh, stability in the midfield and some more experience. Um, you know, Maybe Cassisi uh, will come back into the side as well and, and that will give us a bit of added um, defensive pressure. He's been very... Uh, very desperate for us when he's played. I mean, and I, you know, I was a bit critical of him coming back early, but I, I do think, uh, you know, we need that experience in there at this point in time. And I'm really hoping to, to see uh, Andrew Moore, who had a bit of a, a quieter game against the Saints, but I, I didn't pick it up on TV, but I thought maybe he was playing more of a tagging role in Kane's absence. But I'd like to see him try and, and pick it up. And, you know, it's all going to come down to, to midfield pressure. I think it's going to be a bit of a rainy uh, Saturday. And if we can... And I've got to say, I'm very glad that Pierce Hanley is not playing because I saw him uh, two weeks ago and that guy is a dead-set jet. So, uh, and uh, as Macker and I spoke earlier, um, you know, he's the type of player that really would uh, tear us apart in, in the wrong game. So... I think it's a bit of a godsend that he's not playing, and Simon Black also is a bit of a benefit for us that he's not playing either. But it's a you know it's a real danger game, and we need to be playing for four quarters. And so while we've got you there, Rick, what about a winner and a margin, mate? What do you reckon? 
Well, saying all that, I'm going to back Port. I, I, you know, I'm nervous, but uh, I think we can get up, and I'm going to pick us by 15 points. Nice. All right, what about you, Maka? What are you expecting this week, mate? Yeah, I'm pretty nervous about this one as well. I think the thing that I'm most nervous about is whether we are actually tiring as a as a football club as a whole. You know, it's been a really big off-season. You know, the players did, you know, two or three times the running they did last year to really get us up to a, an AFL standard in, in terms of fitness. Um, you know, we've been switched on all through the pre-season, all year so far. Are we beginning to, you know, feel the fatigue of that? Um, you know, we tied... You know, really noticeably this week we did last week as well against Hawthorne. Um, will we see that again this week? I think if we do see that again, I don't think we can win. Um, hopefully, it was just sort of a, a one or, or a one-off, I guess. Um, the thing that's really crucial uh, about Brisbane is really shutting down their run from defence. They're they're a team that really likes to play run and gun footy. You know, running out, you know, real quick moving out of defence. Hanley out is an absolute godsend in terms of that. Um, but they do have a number of players back there that can run it out. I think Elliot uh, Yeo's had a, a really good year. Um, Justin Clark, he, he can provide a bit of run as well. Uh, Doherty as well. Um, you know, they've got a really strong midfield. You know, guys like Rockliffe and Redden just pick up possessions at will. Um, Matty Lewenberger versus Matty Loby. I mean, that'll be a, a, a really good contest, I think. And I... I I'm almost thinking that whoever wins that ruck contest will win the um, will help us win the game. Um, in terms of ins and outs, I'd actually like to see Campbell Heath um, come in and replace Jonas. I think he's that type of player that can play on talls and smalls, just like Jonas. And I think he'll give us that little bit of extra flexibility over Homsch. Um I think we really, really missed Kane and Dom this week, especially in the... In, in the clearances. Uh, so those two are definite ins for mine. Um, Jakey Need, I think, is in dire need of a rest. Um, and Ollie Wines as well. I'd like to see him have a week off from football um, and come back really fresh for the showdown. Um, my prediction, I'm going to say a very nervous Port Adelaide by 10 points. Nice. Well, we're all pretty close together, I think, here, boys. But, uh, yeah, I'm... I'm... Worried about what's going to happen with Tommy Jonas out. I think his his defensive ability this year has just been fantastic. Like I just find every time I see the ball going to him in a one on one, I just think, yeah, Tommy will win that, and he invariably does. His his one on one defensive work has just been fantastic. Um, I agree. I think Corns and Concisi both need to come back in. Uh, I know some people will be critical of that, suggesting that you know we're going to be too old or too slow or whatever they think. But you know, at this time of year, with the sort of footy that's been playing, with the conditions we've got. Um, and with our inability in the last couple of weeks to be able to shut teams down, uh, I think those two are going to be crucial cogs to come back in. You know, Cassisi to win that hard ball in the middle when it's there to be won. You know, God, we would have loved to have had him in the, against St Kilda when their senior players just kept winning ball after ball. So, um, you know, once again, it's that question of can Port deal with the expectation of winning? And, uh, you know, I think that's, for many of us Port supporters, that's a hang-up we've got from the last couple of years where we've been so disappointing whenever we have been expected to win. Um, as far as the opposition, yeah, like you said, they've got some big ins coming back in. Brown coming back in, Maloney coming back in. It sounds like Black won't get up, which is probably a godsend for us. Um, one of the things I always like to look at in terms of uh, predicting who's going to win a game, I often look towards the percentage. I think sometimes the percentage is a more accurate predictor than the win loss. Uh, and when you have a look at the two percentage, the percentage difference between these two sides, that Porter at 108% versus Brisbane 82%, um, suggests that across the course of the year against all opponents, that we've been a far stronger team. 
Um, and I think that's the case, and I think we really should win this game. Um, I think I predicted Port last week by 65 points and uh, and said that I was nervous about it. I think I was probably right on both counts. I think we probably should have won by 65 <laughs> points, and, and I was right to be nervous because we didn't, and we almost lost. So I'm going to be much more realistic this week. I think Port by 12 points. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another Big Footy Port podcast. It's great to have you all listening in. Love to hear your thoughts in the thread on the Big Footy Port board. So jump in there. Tell us what you thought of the podcast. Give us some feedback. And uh, until next week, we'll uh, go the power. Cheers, guys. See you later. Look at that. There it is. It's over.